Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. So you might have heard about a recent controversial NPR interview with this white nationalist, Jason Kessler. In the interview, Kessler promotes an idea that people of certain races are intellectually superior to others. The IQ testing is pretty clear that it seems like uh, Ashkenazi Jews uh, rate the highest in intelligence in Asians, then white people, then uh, Hispanic people and black people. So this is just straight up false. Kessler's wrong. But this kind of thinking isn't new. This kind of racist pseudoscience has been around for decades. In fact, one of the white guys who helped create Silicon Valley was using it back in the 1970s. The major cause of the American Negro's intellectual and social deficits is hereditary and racially genetic in origin, and thus not remediable to a major degree by practical improvements in environment. William Shockley helped invent the technology that built Silicon Valley. His laboratory and scientific achievements have just been memorialized in Mountain View, but without any word about his racist past. Today, we're going to fill in some of those gaps for you. I'm Devin Kadayama. Welcome to the Bay. William Shockley is the man who brought silicon to Silicon Valley. Sam Harnett covers Silicon Valley and tech culture for KQED. So it's 1955. He comes here from Bell Labs back east. He's a physicist. He wins a Nobel Prize. And he starts working on semiconductors out here. He starts a little company called Shockley Semiconductors. He was able to hire some of the brightest minds at the time, but they all left to go form another company. That company would lead to the formation of lots of other companies that now thrive in Silicon Valley. Very quickly, a lot of his employees, eight of his employees, jump ship and start their own company called Fairchild Semiconductors. And out of Fairchild Semiconductors, that leads to all of the chip manufacturers and semiconductor companies of the Bay Area, practically. William Shockley, by most accounts, was just a really terrible boss. He was paranoid. He made his employees take lie detector tests. Shockley had some strange behaviors. Later on, he became obsessed with the idea that you could rank people on IQs. Shockley was obsessed with this idea of measuring everything. He was obsessed with this idea of meritocracy, which is that you could rank people, that certain people were better than other people, and that you could figure that out by testing, and if you figured out who was the best, those are the ones who should be hired. That sounds very tech. Right, which is, what I think is really interesting in this story is that Shockley's obsession with quantification, obsession with the idea that certain things are better than other things, and everything can be reduced to numbers and quantified, is also connected to his racism. How do we know that Shockley is, is racist? He did not hide it at all. David Duke of the KKK used to promote Shockley and say that he uh, looked up to the way Shockley looked at the world. 
I was actually a friend, a very good friend of uh, Dr. William Shockley at one time. We, we communicated quite, quite often, the Nobel Prize winner. Shockley was way outspoken about his racism. My research leads me inescapably to the opinion that the major cause of the American Negro's intellectual and social deficits is hereditary and racially genetic in origin, and thus not remediable to major degrees by practical improvements in, in uh, environment. He went on this program called Firing Line by the conservative William Buckley, and he just espoused his ideas. He said it straight there, that he believes that you can rank races by their IQs and that people with certain IQs should be paid to be voluntary sterilized. And the way it goes is a bonus would be offered to everyone to be sterilized. The amount of the bonus would be uh, dependent on various factors. You're a tech reporter. You, You talk to people all the time about the history of tech and where we've come from. Is this a big part of his story? Do people know this? People... In the 70s and 80s, this was talked about a lot. I actually interviewed the mayor of uh, Mountain View. Leonard Siegel. My recollection of Shockley from when I was at Stanford in the 1960s is we knew he was eugenicist or racist, and we didn't really know that much about what he did with the semiconductor. And so you're saying the, the, the personal history of Shockley in the 60s was very relevant and very foref- in the forefront when you were in... Uh, university, but like I was reading the placard, and there's like nothing about it there, uh, like about his his later ideas. So, again, someone might be upset about that. What's the what's the reaction? Well, I think that history has to be told as well, uh, but you really don't expect. I mean, the only place that I see that kind of thing in historical commemoration is the Smithsonian, where you know we are fortunate to have a country where our national museums actually tell what we did wrong, what we did to the Indians, what we did to the Japanese. Uh, but when you go to a monument, any place, it's always a celebration. And uh, I mean, that's why we're having these arguments about tearing down Confederate monuments, is, is we don't tell the full story. And that's, that's what you expect. But I, you know, I, I'm hoping in the discussion of, of this and, and of Shockley, that people will remember that, that he had a dark side too. Sam went to an event a few weeks ago that commemorated Shockley Semiconductor Laboratory. The lab's gone, and in its place is a mixed-use development. In the middle of that development is this large metal structure that looks like a hollow Rubik's Cube. This is the silicon atom. Sam says everyone at this event wanted to celebrate the physics. No one wanted to talk about Shockley's racist past. Except for Sam. Birthplace of Silicon Valley, 1956. So I go to this event, right? There's all these speeches in this, in this huge room, and they're all talking about the history of Silicon Valley, and they're talking about Shockley, and they're going into detail about his company and the companies that spin off from it and the science, but not once, not once was it mentioned that Shockley was a eugenicist, that he was a racist, and that he was outspoken about those ideas. Hundreds of firms in electronics and computing can trace their origins back to Shockley Semiconductor. Who's actually there? Who's at this event? These are people who worked at these companies, like Fairchild Semiconductors and other chip companies. These are the workers of Silicon Valley. These people had a lot of pride over what they have done and the industry they've been involved in. What did they say about Shockley and, and when you brought up his, his views? Everybody knew who Shockley was, both for his physics and his racism. Not one person there I talked to said, hey, we didn't know that he was a racist or a eugenicist. He didn't do too many things great, but he put together the greatest minds who started the first silicon wafers, and it all exploded from there and just took off. I interviewed a a guy there who used to work in the industry. Uh, My name is Chuck Worley. And he said simply, you know, we know all about this, but we want to focus on the achievement. We want to focus on the birth of Silicon Valley. This is the stuff that we're proud of. And this is a guy who worked in the industry, right? He was racist. And I want to forget about that. You know, he said Chuck was a racist. His ideas were terrible. 
it's a horrible black mark on his character. But that's not what we're here, we're here to celebrate. But like, we want to focus on uh, the beauty of the Silicon Atom and how it gave birth to this industry. So what is this uh, like space and monument about for you? The origins of the whole electronics industry in the whole world. So Shockley's racist thinking is, isn't a secret, very, very public. And currently with all the debate about Civil War era statues, street names being renamed, uh, being removed because of their racist legacy, the commemoration of Shockley Laboratory seems a little bit tone deaf, if not a lot tone deaf. So is there any sign that people thought of that before doing this? I was a little surprised, actually, that there wasn't more protest at the statue unveiling. I think it's a tricky thing to admit that this industry that defines a region has such a dark history. But, you know, to be frank, eugenics has actually been a part of California's past for a long time. Back at the turn of the 20th century, there were forced sterilizations of tens of thousands of people here. And actually, the Nazis looked to the eugenics movement in California for a lot of justification in what they were doing. So eugenics is a large part of California's history. And you go to this monument outside of the lab of a man who is a eugenicist and a racist, and there's no mention of any of that. Like, this is a teaching moment. Some in Silicon Valley want to believe that Shockley was an outlier, that this kind of racism had nothing to do with the way of thinking in the tech industry. Shockley died almost 30 years ago, but racism and sexism still exists within Silicon Valley companies. And they're often justified with the same kind of pseudoscience that Shockley used. The same insistence that everything, including people, can be entirely quantified and ranked. And that differences in something like IQ is biological. And it's nothing to do with what's happening in the environment and society around us. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for the bed. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.